Thanks for joining us online today. We are really glad you're here. Core Church is a place of hope, healing, peace, and purpose. And if you don't have a church home, we'd love for you to join us Sundays at 10 a.m. And if we can help you in any way through prayer or support, we want to encourage you to use the links that are in the description. Thanks for joining us, and we pray this message both encourages and inspires you. If you've got a Bible, if you'd remain standing, we're going to uh, go to 1 Kings. 1 Kings chapter 19 is where we're going to be today. So if you want to get a head start on that, if you are new to church and maybe you don't have a copy of the scriptures, that's okay. Uh, if you want to get started in God's Word, one of the easiest ways to do that is download version or Bible Hub. Two great apps. I actually use those each and every day. Um, one of our core practices is daily devotions, and you'll find our reading plan on version. is where you're going to find that plan. So we're in a series right now called Neighboring. And this series is really based on the foundational scripture for our church. So if you're new, you actually get to kind of get in on the ground floor of uh, what our church is all about. We just simply follow the teachings of Jesus. And here's what Jesus said was the most important thing in life when he was asked. Somebody said, what's the most important thing? And Jesus said, well, love God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind. Second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. So we, we say this every week that it's all about finding hope for the heart in Jesus, healing for your soul, peace of mind, and purpose in the world. It comes directly out of what Jesus said is the most important thing. In this series, though, we're focusing on the last part of that, and that is love your neighbor as yourself. Like, um, as followers of Jesus, like, nobody should out-neighbor the church, right? Hey, can we get some house lights on? So, because people I know, that they want to see their, their scriptures. They're right now trying to find First Kings. They're like, I can't see, and it's so dark in this church. So we'll get you some lights on. Uh, but we are, uh, I don't think anybody should out-neighbor the church. What if we took Jesus' words literally and loved our neighbors? Now, every week we have our sending prayer, and our series is based on our sending prayer. We say this every week, and so um, we're breaking this series into four weeks. Uh, my friend Blaine Bartell, he did week one where he talked about fill me with love, and he talked about what do you do with those difficult neighbors? You know, he told a lot of difficult neighbor stories. It was really, really powerful on, oh, oh, that kind of love. If you missed it, you can get it on Spotify, iTunes, or YouTube. Uh, and then I talked about uh, give me boldness, that God would make us bold. And uh, how many of you were here when I talked about my Irish neighbor, Paddy? Raise your hand if you were here so I can see who was here. Only about half of you. That's so disappointing. Um, of course, that was on Father's Day when the storm hit, and it was a, basically a snow day, so literally no one was at church that day. If you missed that story, uh, you got to go. But I don't have the time. I just don't have time to retell that story. But I want to tell you a follow-up on Patty. So the, the prayer is that I preached was, give me boldness. And I left that day and God said, all right, all right, preacher. You going to apologize? Wow. I mean, he didn't even live around me anymore, God. I know. There's this thing called Facebook. You could track him down. And so I uh, said, okay, all right, fill me with boldness. And so I went on Facebook, I tracked down Patty. Um, evidently, um, it was such a, uh, such a difficult moment in his life. He not only moved out of the neighborhood, he moved back to Ireland. So he was like totally done with me. He's like, I'm just getting as far away from you as I can. And so I, that's not true. I, uh, so I, he's from Ireland, he went home to Ireland. 
And I tracked him down, and he's like, yeah, it's me. And so I, I messaged him, and I just said, hey, you remember when the, that idiot that um, called, I can't tell the whole story, just that idiot that called the police. And I said, um, I was that idiot. And I just owned it. I said, that was one of the stupidest things I've ever done in my life. I still to this day, that's one of a great regret that I have. I couldn't believe, I, but I didn't, I said, I didn't know you and you were, you, you were intimidating. He's big, he's Irish, he's, he's very intimidating. And, and I didn't know what he would say. And I took the, the, the chicken exit and I could not, just could not believe I'd done that. And I said, I was, you were nothing but a great neighbor. And I said, I just need to, to say I'm sorry and will you forgive me? And I waited. And he messaged me back and he said, brother, water under the bridge. We love your family. That, I, you know, to, to get, uh, offer forgiveness is one thing, but to receive it when you own something but what was amazing is what I didn't realize, I thought that message was all about me. Here's what you need to understand. You gotta get this in your soul, okay? Deep in you. Even when you're doing something like that, it's not always just about you. He messaged me back after that and he said, hey, will you be praying for my wife Darcy because her dad was just put on hospice today? That's our God. Only God could do something like that. I think I'm reaching out to receive forgiveness and God said, oh, no, 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 Brad. Patty needs some help. His wife needs some help. And even across the ocean, you can provide comfort and encouragement. So I just sent him back this long prayer of praying for him. And this week, uh, her dad passed and he just said, thank you so much for the prayers, Brad. I want to encourage you, pray for boldness, pray for boldness. This is one of our core practices of sharing Christ. And so this week we're up to lead me, lead me to the hurting, the hopeless, the lonely, and the discouraged. And so I want to go to 1 Kings chapter 19. And if you are new to church, new to the scriptures, let me kind of give you some background. Um, this is a story, it's gonna get really confusing really fast because the two guys in the story are Elijah and Elisha. It wasn't until I went to Bible school that I even figured out who these two guys were, okay? So it's okay. Just remember, J comes before S. So Elijah came first and Elisha came second. That's how I always keep these guys separated. And uh, Elisha is the one that we sing about in that song called Rattle that we did last week when we, we literally rattled the house. Did we not rattle the house last week? Oh my goodness. Man, that was intense last week. Wow, that was so good. And in that song, it talks about Elisha. So let me tell you what's happening in here. So Elijah, the first guy, he's a prophet over Israel, one of the greatest prophets in all of scripture. He does all these incredible miracles. And the king and queen are not worshiping God. They're actually worshiping Baal, another God. And Elijah calls them to a showdown on Mount Carmel. And some of you know this story. And I'm not here to tell this story today, but he, he, the prophets of Baal, 850 of them, they, they cut themselves, they cry out all day uh, for their sacrifice, for fire to come down, nothing happens. And then Elijah, it's really funny, Elijah just prays one simple prayer and fire falls from heaven, burns up the sacrifice. 
And it's right after this that, uh, that the queen, Queen Jezebel, uh, is just ticked off at Elijah for what he has done. And she puts out a bounty on his life. Now, by the way, this isn't the first time this has happened. She's done this multiple times. And the first time that she did it, Elijah goes, oh, oh, you, oh, bring it. Uh, you know, he's like, come on, come on. Uh, it's in there. Look in chapter 18. So, so he, and that's where he does a showdown on Mount Carmel. He's like, I ain't afraid of you. I ain't afraid of you, but he's worn down. So he runs. He's like, I am just done. Anybody ever been done? You're just done? I'm, I'm, I'm done? Elijah was done. So he runs to this cave. God says to, he goes to this cave. God meets him in the cave, speaks to him and says, what are you doing here? You're not supposed to be here. You're supposed to be back serving my people. And then he tells him, all right, here's what I want you to do. I want you to go and anoint your successor, Elisha. Elisha would follow after Elijah and become one of Israel's greatest prophets. And he said, I want you to go and I want you to anoint him to take your place. And so we pick up the story in verse 19. So Elijah went and he found Elisha plowing in a field. So there were 12 teams of oxen in the field. Elisha was plowing with the 12th team. Elijah went over to him, threw his cloak across his shoulders, and then walked away. Now, that may not make sense to us, but that was him putting the anointing of God onto Elisha. So Elisha knew exactly what was happening in this moment, that the cloak meant the, the, the presence of God, the anointing of God, and that's what was happening in this moment. And so Elisha, he left the oxen standing there, ran after Elijah, see how confusing the story gets really fast, said to him, hey, let me go and kiss my father and mother goodbye, and then I will go with you. And Elijah said, go on back, think about what I've done for you. So Elisha returned to his oxen, slaughtered them. He used the wood from the plow to build a fire to roast their flesh. He passed around the meat to the townspeople, and they all ate. And then he went with Elijah as his assistant. I want to talk to you today about lead me, that God would lead us. Father, thank you for your spirit that's here today. Give us open minds and open hearts right now to hear your word, that we would take away something that is going to help us just to be better people a little bit more like Jesus, we pray in his name. And everybody said, amen. All right, you can be seated. Uh, everybody recovered from the storm? Everybody, you know? Uh, how about that, huh? Happy Father's Day. Woo! Yeah, that's, yeah. I saw this meme that went around that day. This was a great meme. I don't know if you saw this. Did you see this one here? Mother's Day, Father's Day. That's pretty much how it all, all went down. It was just nuts waking up that day. I mean, crazy, the, the, just the storm damage. Um, even, I mean, I don't know how it was in, in your neighborhood, but in mine, it, it was crazy. I took a picture out right inside my house. I had one trash can down. Uh, and, and look at the leaves. Look at the leaves. It was, <laughs> take that off screen. Some people are getting very angry right now. I live in South Broken Arrow, literally like not, not much of anything happened. And it wasn't until like later in the day I realized, oh my goodness, wow. How many of you were with, without power for more than two days? Anybody? Look at this. Look around. Wow. Y'all need to move closer to the church. That's what God's trying to say to you today. Just move a little closer. Get a little closer to Jesus in his presence and look what will happen in your life. I'm kidding. I'm totally kidding. Uh, but I... I 
I, was, I actually enjoyed it because I got to get my chainsaw out, and uh, so it wasn't really work for me, and I got, one of my neighbors did have a tree down. I went, I went and helped a couple pastor friends of mine that are near Midtown. Oh, my goodness, Midtown was, like, destroyed. So I was using my chainsaw for, like, three days. It was like, woo! It was happy Father's Day to me. I was excited to use my chainsaw. In fact, one of my neighbors said, Brad, there's nothing wrong with my tree. Stop cutting! It's like, I know, but man, I, cause I just, I just love my, my chainsaw and so many reports coming back. I want to thank you for serving your neighbors. Like this series, like we didn't even need this series in that I could bring so many of you on stage who just spontaneously got out and just loved your neighbors as yourself. I mean, some of you had chainsaws, you went out and cut. Some of you didn't have chainsaws, but you went out and moved limbs. Some of you went out and raked neighbors. Some of you went out and, and, and put fences back up, heard from others that uh, were out to, uh, serving their neighbors and helping them get supplies and food. Uh, and then somebody else did something super simple. They, they just, you know what they got? They didn't have much. They said, I'll just, we'll just do some coffee and some donuts. How awesome is that? Serving our neighbors. That's what this series is all about. But but it's just crazy how once the storm is over, we just kind of go back to our own lives and we kind of forget about our neighbors. And, and by the way, that's normal. That's, that's natural because, I mean, come on, you've got a lot going on in your own life, don't you? I mean, you've got work, you've got kids, you've got bills, you've got appointments, uh, you've got things in your own home that need to be cleaned up and fixed and done. I mean, you've got, you've got your own problems and your own struggles. But so often what can happen in our lives is we can, we can instead of praying, lead me to the hurting, our prayer becomes primarily, help me, I'm hurting. Now, that's not a bad prayer, by the way. I'm not saying don't pray that prayer. You should pray that prayer because God cares about your needs. Turn to somebody and tell them, God cares about your needs. God cares about your needs. But it just can't be our only prayer. And so often that happens, that we forget about those who have not yet experienced the hope, the healing, the peace, and the purpose of Jesus. This is, this is Elijah in this story. He's, he's struggling. I mean, he's supposed to be serving the nation of Israel, but, but instead, because of some things that have happened, because of the queen and different things like that, instead of standing up against her, doing what God's told him to do, he's on the run, and, and now he is hiding out. His, his prayer is not lead me to the hurting. Elijah's prayer is like, help me, I'm hurting. And he's thinking only at this point about himself. Look at verse nine. It says in verse nine, he came to what? A cave. Come on, he came to what? A cave. He came to a cave where he spent the night, but the Lord said to him, what are, what are you doing here? I'm gonna turn to somebody and say, what are you doing here? What are you doing here? Are you, hopefully here to worship. Hopefully you're here to worship. Elijah, as we already pointed out, he's not where he's supposed to be. Now, I get it. I mean, I might be running too. Somebody's got a threat against my life, but this has happened multiple times. One time he stood up, did the right thing. Now he's on the run. He's only thinking about himself, and he's hiding out in a cave. Our homes so often become caves. They become a place. Oh, thank you, Pastor Eric. That was Pastor Eric just breathing the spirit on me in that moment. I thank you for that. But our, our homes can just become caves, 
Places where we hide out. We even have a name for it, guys. What do we call it? We call it our man cave. I love my man cave. I have a man cave. I, I've got all my record collection. I've got all my memorabilia. I've got books. I've got a couch. I've got a big screen TV. I mean, it's just, it's just beautiful. And I, and I would love to tell you that I go in there just to, you know, rest and relax. And, I, I, and yes, I do, but I go in there to escape. It, it basically, my man cave says, don't bother me. Right? Come on, dad. dad you go in that room, it's like, don't bother dad. And, and if you don't have a man cave, what, Blaine talked about this a couple weeks ago. He said, what do we do? We pull up in our driveways, we open up our garage doors, we drive our cars in. Before we even get out of our cars, our garage doors go back down behind us. And we hide out in our caves. We want to be good neighbors, Right? I want to be a good neighbor, but so often I'm just tired. I'm worn out. I'm busy. I've got my own problems. I've got my own, own struggles. And what I love is in Romans chapter 7, the apostle Paul wrote a letter to the church in Rome, and he talks about this internal battle that we all have. And I love it because he says he himself struggles with this. He's talking about himself in Romans 7:19. He said this, I want to do what is good but I don't. This is the Apostle Paul. This is the guy who wrote almost the entire New Testament, empowered by the Holy Spirit, went to prison, beaten, testified for God, and he says, I want to do what is good, but I, but I don't. And I'm thinking if Paul and Elijah struggled, we're, we're all gonna struggle. Come on, turn to somebody, encourage them right now and say, I struggle, I, I struggle. Because we, we, all, we all struggle, but, but do not forget, it don't matter if you're struggling or not, if you're a follower of Jesus, you don't get a pass on this. God is calling us out of our caves. Not just Elijah, but he's calling all of us out of our caves. A couple weeks ago, we were in Guatemala and took a team of people, man, just an amazing group of people. Can we just honor these people who went and gave a week of their life serving in Guatemala? So we went, we went to Guatemala, and uh, it was unbelievable. You got, we're going to go again next year. We'll have more information on that. You've got to get signed up, and you've got to buy some of the coffee because it's insanely good. But I want to tell you, it was exhausting. We started at 7 a.m. in the morning, like before the sun came up, and we went till the sun went down for a whole week. It was, I mean, just nonstop. But I would not change a moment of it. The serving, the things that we did was just unbelievable. But by the end of the week, we were all like, yeah. And thank the Lord they gave us a respite day before we came home or the family that we came home to, they went, you're never going back there. You're never going back. You're, you're just loopy. Uh, but so they gave us a respite day. And I remember when I, I woke up the next morning, I got up early because I wanted to go to my favorite, one of my favorite coffee shops, honestly, in the world, Cafe Condesa. It is um, formerly used to be the home of a count and they took his courtyard and they turned it into a coffee shop. Look at this picture of this coffee. This is, this was my, this is the best, it's amazing. That should get some of you to go next year right there. You're signing, grab a next step card and just write Guatemala. 
So I get up early that morning. I sneak out of the hotel, and, and it's just the sun is just starting to come up, and there is a dew that's glistening on the cobblestone streets, and, and the city is barely coming alive. And I'm like, and I went to the coffee shop, and, and I got there a little bit early, and they were closed. And so I had like 15 minutes before they opened, and I was like, you know, I'm just, you know what? I'm just going to go across the cobblestone streets and sit in the beautiful uh, town square that they have. Look at the picture of this, this beautiful fountain. This is their town square. Now you're grabbing a next step card, aren't you? You're like, I got to go serve Jesus. This looks so rough. <laughs> so I go over to this park and, and, I, and I sit down on this bench and I'm just like, ah. I am so tired, and I'm sitting on this bench, and it was about, I don't know, two, three minutes into just, <sighs> that these two young ladies came over to me, and I got to tell you, in the moment that they started walking over to me, and they said, could we talk to you for a moment? Can I just be honest? I wanted to say, no, because I was exhausted. And I'm like, I don't have time for anybody right now, please. No, no, no. How do you say no in Spanish? I don't know. No. But God reminded me that not 30 minutes before, I had rolled out of bed like I do every day, and I'd kneeled by the side of my bed, and I had said our sending prayer, Lord, lead me, lead me, lead me to the hurting, the hopeless, the lonely, and the discouraged. Okay. What's funny is when you pray that prayer, you don't always have to go find them. They find you. Because they know you're willing. They know that you care. So I started talking to these young ladies, and they started asking me some weird questions. Like, I'm not kidding you, weird. Like, one of them said, what's your favorite color? What? And I started honestly getting a little nervous because I thought, uh-oh, I'm being set up here. And I had my bag behind me, so I took my bag and I moved it in front of me. And I, you know, I was watching my six, you know, watching my six. Because I, I just watched Navy SEALs. Uh, and I was like, watch my six. And, but I was, honestly, I was getting a little nervous, like, what's uh, something going on here? And then come to find out these young ladies were actually in language school and, and they were there, and they were practicing their English in the park, and their teacher was literally like 20 yards away, and she waved at me, and to which I said to the girls, you might want to have led with that. I didn't say that to them. But once I found that out and we started talking, I just enjoyed it, and they sat down on the bench next to me, and I just started having a conversation with them, and I just thought, I'm just going to encourage them. I don't know where they're at in their lives, but I'm just going to find a way to encourage them, and I spent some time encouraging them. And then just before they left, I just felt prompted to really give them some strong words that they could understand, but I knew that the English wasn't there, and so I just used Google Translate. And, um, and this is what I, I said. I actually took a screenshot of it. I just said, I'll be praying for you. Look to God. Trust God. He'll show you the way to go. Well, was interesting is I, I knew I couldn't say much because I didn't know how it would translate. And, I, and, and so um, I, I said, and, and both of them just lit up. And I said, I believe in you and I believe God has a, a purpose and a plan for you. I believe God's, may God's favor be on you. And I, I got a picture with these girls. They were so sweet. Here, here's those two girls right there. Are they not just the sweetest, sweetest girls? You just don't know where God is going to lead you, what's going what's to happen. And I believe that God is calling us out of our 
caves. To not miss these moments. And I know what you, you and I, all of us say, I wouldn't know what to say. I wouldn't know what to do. And can I tell you, that stop. You, you, I, I don't, you're thinking way, way too far ahead. I don't know how to pray the prayer of salvation and, and, and I know the right scriptures and everything. Are you, you don't even know them. What are you doing? Do the first thing Jesus did. You know what Jesus did? He prayed. You know what the second thing Jesus did? He cared about people. He just loved people, met them right where they were at with their needs. And that's what we have to begin to do. Listen, if if the Holy Spirit can speak through Google Translate, he can speak through you. And by the way, if you think, I don't know what to do, I wouldn't know what to say, you are discounting the power of the Holy Spirit. You have the Holy Spirit in you. Turn to somebody and tell them, you have the Holy Spirit. You have the Holy Spirit. God God wants to give you the Holy Spirit. If you don't have the Holy Spirit, God wants to give you the Holy Spirit. And when you have the Holy Spirit, guess what? You get to say this. I wouldn't know what to say. I don't know what to do. I'm sitting with these two girls. There's a language barrier. I ain't got nothing, God. I don't know. And I just go, take over, God, because I ain't got nothing. I'm just going to fumble my way through it, and that's okay. Just don't be weird. That's what I always say. Just don't be weird. I mean, it's okay to be odd and goofy and say the wrong thing. Just don't be weird. That ain't helping the cause. (laughs) Can I tell you, even as a preacher, I don't even like telling people I'm a preacher anymore because they're like, oh, you crazy people. You crazy, crazy. You crazy, crazy. I think many times, though, we we are weird and we don't know what to say because you ain't first prayed. Remember three simple things, okay? Intercede, invest, inform. Anybody who's been coming here for any amount of time, I say this all the time. You wanna know how to share Jesus with people? Intercede, invest, inform. It's really not that hard. Intercede, what do you do? Pray. Just start praying for people. Praying for your neighbors. Here's a novel idea. Not, not just pray. God, bring them to their knees in repentance and mercy and grace and may you, no. No. Don't do that. Do you want them to receive the grace and mercy of Jesus and forgiveness? Yes. yes. Uh, I ain't no trick question, by the way. I, um, I don't think I want him to go to hell, but I mean, uh, not real sure, Pastor. I'm not sure if this is a trick question. What is this? I'm, I think maybe, I, do I want him to have a miserable life? I think maybe I do. Maybe I'm supposed to keep Jesus to myself, you know, because my life is so good. I have problems, I have struggles, but I got Jesus and I don't want to give any of him away because I need as much Jesus as I can have. Plenty of Jesus to go around for everybody, okay? Come on, turn to somebody and tell them, plenty of Jesus to go around. Plenty of Jesus, plenty of Jesus to go around. Plenty, okay? But when you pray, just pray, man, God, would you just help me to be a good neighbor? God, who needs, who needs you today? Who's hurting? Who's struggling? Who needs a helping hand? Whose fence is down that I could help pick up? Whose yard needs to be raised? I mean, I don't know what God's gonna do, but just, God, just use me in some way to be kind, Use me to be, to just be, to love my neighbor as myself. There's a good prayer right there. God, help me to love my neighbor as myself. And guess what? When you start to pray that prayer, then the invest part comes. Just do good. Like God's gonna give you opportunities because you're gonna start seeing it with your eyes. Like I saw those two girls there. You're gonna see that. You're gonna, you're, some of you, I know you're like, when I talked about the storm, you're like, I didn't, I didn't do anything. I, I didn't help anyone. I, I cleaned my own yard. 
never thought about my neighbor. I don't know what to do with that, by the way. I don't want to let you off the hook on that. I don't think the Holy Spirit wants me to let you off the hook on that. You got to start with prayer. Back it up. Why am I not seeing the needs around me? It's probably because you're not praying first. Pray first, then do good. And then when the opportunity presents itself, just share the love of Christ. Share Jesus with somebody. God's calling us out of our caves. Got to get out of our caves. So Elijah, he stepped out of this cave. God spoke to him, told him, hey, go find Elisha. And he led him to Elisha. And look at this in verse 19. It says, Elisha went and found Elijah. Excuse me, Elijah. See, I already got it messed up. Elijah went and found Elisha plowing in the field. There were 12 teams of oxen in the field. And Elisha was plowing with the what? With the 12th team. Don't miss this. Stop for a moment. Hang on. You catching, you catching this right here? He's plowing on the 12th team. So Elisha... He is stuck not only in a forgotten field, he's plowing behind the 12th team and he's staring at the butt of an ox all day long. Stepping in it. Some of y'all say, you just described my workplace, Brad. That is my workplace and my boss right there. I mean, how, how bad does it have to get? I mean, I think that Elisha right here has got to be thinking like he's staring down 12 teams and he's in the back and he's got, man, is, is it ever, is, is my life ever going to turn around? Does God even notice me? Does God even care about me? And Elijah steps out of the comfort of the cave and steps into that forgotten field and changes Elisha's life. This is what God is calling us to do. Because guess what? Your neighbor is plowing right now in a forgotten field. They feel forgotten. Life is hard. They're plowing behind the 12th team, wondering, is this as good as it's going to get? And God is calling you to step into those forgotten fields. Jesus said it this way in John 4.35. He said, wake up. Somebody say, wake up. Wake up and look around. Say this with me. The fields are already ripe for harvest. You don't have to travel halfway around the world and sign up for a mission trip to help people. Your field is right outside your front door. Your field is right outside your front door. And and. God is calling us to these people that are in the forgotten fields. He's calling us into the valley of dry bones. You know, we've been talking about this, the Ezekiel 37, valley of dry bones, and he's calling us to help people move into new beginnings. Go back to verse 19. It says, Elijah, Elijah went over to him and threw his cloak across his shoulders and then walked away. Again, Elijah's cloak, it represented the, the anointing that he was placing on Elisha. Now, when you hear that, for I think almost all of us here, we would just say, well, now that's good on, good on Elijah. I'm not, I'm not Elijah. I ain't got no anointing. I mean, I've got some essential oils uh, that helps with my anxiety and my dog's muscle pain, but I, I, don't have, I, I, I don't have this. Remember, you have the Holy Spirit. You have the Holy Spirit, and God is calling us out of our caves. 
When you came in, you saw on your seat, you got a card there. It's your, your neighbor card. I'd like for you to take this neighbor card real quick. Some of you filled this out when you were here on Father's Day. But this is our focus for the whole summer, is our neighbors. And so if you, this is the first time you've seen this list here. What I want to ask you, everybody, grab a pen. I want, I want you, if you've not filled this card out already, I want you to grab this and fill this out today. Uh, what I want you to do is I want you to write down the na- names of your neighbors. Do you even know the names of your neighbors to the left, to the right, across the street, and over to the side? By the way, if they already know Jesus, don't write their names down, Okay? Because what you don't want to do is, God, just bring them. God, we just pray them right out of life, church. And we pray you bring them right over here to court. God, bring them. Bring them, Father, from victory, from church on the move, Father, from Battle Creek, from the assembly. God, bring them from all places of the world to court, church. No, we don't want, we're not trying to recruit Christians. That's not, that's ridiculous, okay? That's not, if your neighbor knows Jesus, we should be partnering with that neighbor that knows Jesus, Hey, here's an idea. You know Jesus, I know Jesus. Let's let's serve our neighbors. Let's love our neighbors. Let's care about our neighbors. Let's find a way to help our neighbors. It's not a church recruitment program. That's not what this is. This is a love program. This is about loving people, remembering loving the human race. Someone loved you, it's my turn now to love someone else. Jesus' love overwhelmed me. It's my turn now to overwhelm someone else with the love of Jesus. Now, maybe you you can't write the names. By the way, that's okay because less than 30% of people who've ever done this in a national survey have uh, less than 30% are able to even write in the name of one neighbor. Let that sink in for us. If you're not able to write the neighbors, don't, don't write like, don't make up names, Bill. Sandra, because you know you have Christians sitting around you, you're like, I just feel awful right now. Karen, I have a Karen by me. I definitely have a Karen. <laughs> if your name's Karen, I'm sorry. I apologize. Write their names down, though, on here. And what you want to do is begin praying the sending prayer, the prayer at the bottom. Start praying for them every day. What do I mean by praying? I already told you how to be praying for them, why you should be praying for them, what you should be praying about. And then if you, if you need some help, we're, we're, doing, we're doing what we call neighbor nights all summer long. On here are some ideas, some simple things, from the simple to something big. You can just sit out on your front porch. There's a navel. Sit out on your front porch one night. I'm just going to sit out on the front porch. Go for a walk and actually talk to your neighbors. Wave at your neighbors. Walk across the street. Maybe introduce yourself to your neighbors. I mean, that's, I think that's one of the best things you do is walk across the street and go, uh, hey, my name's, uh, my name's Brad. I've lived across the street from you for four years now. I apologize. I don't know your name. What's your name? Guess what your neighbor's going to say? I, I haven't walked across the street either. And you're going to get to know your neighbor's name, and you're going to be able to put their name on here, and you're going to be able to begin to pray for them and intentionally care for them and help their family or, or I don't know who lives near you and what their needs are, but God is going to begin to show you those needs. And it can be the simplest thing. God could take the simplest thing and make it significant. I saw this in, in Guatemala. So when we were in Guatemala, one of the things they're doing there, uh, Send Me is got some land that they're going to put a hospital on, but one of the first things they need to do is locate the sewer line. Now, a little different than the way we do it in the States, by the way. So a guy shows up, doesn't really speak English, and he's going to show us where the, sewer line, where the sewer line is. He basically looks out at the street where the manhole cover is, and he's like, oh, that's so Tony. He walks about 100 yards, and he goes, I think, uh, I think, uh, here. 
and he makes a X with his foot in the dirt. I think, I think there. Like, there? Okay, and then and they don't bring in big equipment and, and dig the hole. No, they, they had a pickaxe. That's how they do it in Guatemala. And so um, I, in that moment, I, I exercised my gifts and my abilities, and I, I stood in the shade and supervised those who, I prayed for them. I prayed for them while they were digging. Actually, it was... Uh, with some young guys there, Parker Darnell and Brandon Ashworth, they got in and they just started digging and it was so stinking hot that day. It was brutally hot. I mean, like just shedding clothes. And I mean, Parker at one point was so tired. I was like, okay, I can't stand on the sideline. I got to get involved. I got to swing the pickaxe. And actually somebody took a picture. This was embarrassing with my shirt off. I was in... Parker, you got some work to do, buddy. I'm, uh, that is, uh, yeah. Some of you are like, I did not know our pastor looked like that under that shirt. I'll let you keep thinking that. You just keep thinking that. Take it off. Take it off the screen. Take it off the screen. Focus, people. So, so these guys, they dig down like four and a half, five feet. And it is brutally hot. And there's this little boy, little Guatemalan boy, and he's off a ways, and he sees us, and he starts edging his way closer. And the next thing I know, he's grabbed a tree branch, and Parker's dad, Brian, was there. And he takes this tree branch, and he puts it over Brian to give him shade. I mean, that was, uh, the whole, the, the, the group of us that were there were like, wow. Some people look at that and laugh it off and say that's insignificant. I mean, what was significant that day was the guys who got in that hole and dug a five-foot hole, right? Not in God's eyes. In God's eyes, he looked at both of those and go, no, these are both equally weighted. Both of these are significant to me. Use what's in your hands. What does God put in your hands? I mean, if God can take a little boy like this with a, with a branch or in scripture take a boy with a, a sack lunch and feed 5,000, what could he do with you? What could he do through you? Look at verse 21. It says, Elisha returned to his oxen, slaughtered them, used the wood from the plow to build a fire to roast the flesh, and he passed around the meat to the townspeople and say this with me, and what? And they all ate. Elijah's one act not only impact Elisha, it, it impacted an entire community and then eventually an entire nation. Your simple act of kindness, of loving your neighbor, you have no idea the ripple effect. It, it has the power to impact one life and then a family and then a neighborhood and on out from there. Laura and I have seen this firsthand. We uh, have some neighbors, Nathan and Heather Bryson and their sons, Max and Riley, and um, they moved in across the street from us, and I'll let them tell the story. Watch this. This is Heather Bryson, and Heather, um, I want you to talk from the perspective, you actually moved in after we had some neighbors move out, your boys and, and Nathan, and um, I, I don't know if I want to ask this, but what, what was it like? 
from the other side of being the neighbor that uh, having Christians living across the street. How do we do? (laughs) (laughs) Well, um, so you guys invited us to church and we didn't want to be the people that just went to church because our neighbors went to church and we also didn't really know you. And so eventually my husband started coming and just kind of checked things out and made sure it wasn't like too much. It wasn't weird. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. <laughs> we were just some weirdos. Now, yes. let's, back, let's back up a little bit, though, Ro. You um, raised Catholic? Yes, I was raised Catholic. Um, pretty Catholic. Um, we, we did the No Fish on Fridays um, just during Lent. And then um, I kind of stopped going to any church in college. Um, but I, until then, I had done mission trips. I had done. Oh, wow. So when we met you, you hadn't been in church in a long time. Right. And for, and for Laura and I, it wasn't even about, it wasn't about trying to get you to come to church. We just wanted to be good neighbors. Yeah. Well, and we felt that. We did feel that. So you did good. <laughs> <laughs> 10 out of 10. Well, for me, it was so special because um, we had just become empty nesters. Yeah. So we were in transition and mom had just moved in. And I just remember being excited about seeing you and Nathan and the boys and just the brightness you brought to our neighborhood. Mom had this little Tonka truck she would set out just so in case Riley and Max ended up coming over, they would have something to do. Well, and um, I was raised by my grandparents, so having a kind of a grandma figure, yeah, um, I really liked that as well. And then, obviously, Otis, you know, the boys are obsessed with So she's more like a grandma figure. I'm more like a fatherly figure just because of the youth that I have. (laughs) No, I'm talking about Evelyn. I know. But it was your boys. I just, we moved around the corner a couple years ago. And and this is the truth. I told Laura, the hardest thing about leaving that house was leaving the neighbors, especially you guys. Because I come home, I get out of my truck. And I'd hear your boys yelling through the inside of your house. We holler. They, they yeah, holler. they would. They would holler through the screen. Uh, Brad, yeah. Brad. They would. And I loved. Oh, that. and they would come running out. Oh I'd run across the and street. When we moved. It was so quiet. It, it was so hard. So I would be like sweating buckets. It's 98 degrees outside. And I know. I was trying to go inside, and the boys are like. Where's Otis? Yeah. So, but then you you guys just eventually, just through relationship, um, just became a part of our church and our community. What what difference has Core Church and the community here made for in your life for you and Nathan and the boys? Um. Well, we also met several other people that go to school with the boys now in in Broken Arrow, and um, just having a community. Um, which is, you know, kind of what I was trying to build in the neighborhood with the neighbor night and everything. Um, but having a place to go, we don't make it every week, but um, sometimes we're not in the state. So we have a little bit <laughs> You of guys excuse. do travel, yeah. Yeah. But what's amazing, you said neighbor night. This this lady is unbelievable. So we we just kind of reach out, we create this relationship. Next thing we know, we're not, ho- we're not having the block party. We're not hostessing. <laughs> you yes. have the block party. But you weren't doing the block party like, hey, I can get all the neighbors here and then invite them and get them to come to church. You just did it because you care. Yes. So I really do think it takes a village. 
you guys moved out, so some villagers were gone, <laughs> but, um, but just around the corner. And so last year was our first one. We just, and Nathan's cousin had also kind of done this. They live in Florida, but so he was on board because his cousin had done it. And um, we just rented a bounce house and we walked the neighborhood and passed out flyers and said, we will have hot dogs at a bounce house. If you want to just come and meet your neighbors. Okay, hang on a second. She on. says, we just run around and handed out flyers. There's like 137 homes, I think is the number. Yes. She put a flyer on every single door in our neighborhood. And what a great turnout it was. Yeah, we had more people this year than we did last year. Um, it did get rained out. Not rained out because we still had about... We had over half of our night, yeah. and then but that then was it fun because then we got to get in your garage and yeah. just talk, and it was yeah. so unique because so had, many families just getting to break down those barriers, those walls, mm -hmm. of, and just say we're all people. Yeah, we're just all neighbors. We want to be friendly to each other. Yes. So we love you guys, but I really love your boys. I want your boys to come up. Come on, Max. Come on, Riley. Come on, guys. <laughs> you got to meet these guys. The, these are two of my favorite boys these in the whole world. Special. Come on Young up here, man. here. Come here, sit, <laughs> sit on this leg. Ah! Get on this good, leg. Good luck with that. Okay, ready? <laughs> <laughs> ah! There oh. we go. Uh, and there is Max I'm not, and I'm Riley. Not, I'm not gonna lie, it is so hard to live not across the street mm. from you guys. And uh, I just love it though that you guys still walk around the block and you still come by and ring my doorbell and say hi. Love you guys. They want to ring the doorbell every time we walk. <laughs> That's and okay. we would like that because that is special to us. Even hey, though. Hey, thanks for sharing. <laughs> yes. You're welcome. Woohoo! Did you guys have fun at neighbor night? Yeah. <laughs> so imagine the difference that this room could make if we all went out today and this week and just loved our neighbors as ourselves. Would you bow your heads uh, and pray with me? One of our core practices is continual surrender. And here in a moment, we're gonna have a time of communion together. But before we come to the table, I just wanna give you a moment to talk to Jesus. What has he been speaking to you about today? Is he, is he calling you out of the cave? Have you, have you grown cold to the people around you? Ask the Holy Spirit to help you. That's, only, that's the only hope you have is to ask the Holy Spirit to help you. God, change me. God, change me. Change my heart. Change my soul. Change my mind. Change me. Give me the love of Jesus for my neighbors and the people around me. Do you need hope today? There is hope in Jesus. Every song that we sing today, there is hope in Jesus. Ask him today to renew your hope. Do you need healing for your soul? Do you need forgiveness? We believe in the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. We're gonna honor him here in just a moment with that. And today is a day of grace and mercy. What does it mean to be a follower of Jesus? It simply means acknowledging, hey, Jesus, I, I, I recognize who you are. I don't understand everything about you. I, I, don't, even, I, I don't even know the Bible, but I just know that if that's who you are, I, I want you in my life. If you can help me in my life, I want you. And, and it's just crying out for grace and mercy and forgiveness. And he says, yeah, listen, you got it. You got it because I love you. Do you need peace of mind? 
ask the Holy Spirit to come in and give you peace in whatever that situation or struggle you're having. Or maybe you need purpose. Your life is just, honestly, there's no meaning. There's, you know, you're just getting up, going to work, coming home, it's nothing. You say, man, I, I want my life to have meaning. The Holy Spirit today can begin to walk you into a purpose-driven life. Father, thank you for what you're doing in this place today. In Jesus' name, amen. We hope this message today has encouraged and inspired you. If you don't have a church home, we'd love for you to join us Sundays at 10 a.m. And if we can support you or encourage you or help you in any way, please use any of the links that are in the description. Thanks again for joining us online. We pray you have a great week.